Welcome to Movable Dough. This is Steve Danielson. I'm a composer, conductor, and music educator. On this podcast, I talk with other composers and discover how they began their journey into composition. Join me each week as we explore their lives, their musical journeys, and of course, their music. To learn more about this podcast and access a complete archive of episodes, including the series of shorter segments called Movable Snippets, visit my website at sdcompose.com slash movabledoe. Hey, this is Steve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Movable Dough. My guest today is Molly Catherine Nixon. Molly is a composer and teacher from Illinois. She holds a bachelor's degree in music education and Spanish from Illinois State University. She spent 15 years teaching third to eighth grade choirs and composing music for her ensembles. Molly recently began a new project called the Da Capo Alfine Project, where she is making music available for free to choirs and conductors. I'm excited to talk more about this project with her. Molly Nixon, welcome to Movable Dough. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me on your podcast. So um, we will... I'm really excited to be here. Oh, excellent. We will get back to the Da Capo Alfino project in a moment, but I want to learn more about you first. Uh, have you always been in Illinois or did you grow up somewhere somewhere else? I have always been in, in Illinois. I grew up in Danville, Illinois, um, and then... I came to Illinois State in Normal uh, for un- for college and, and thought I was going to be moving away, but uh, I think God had other plans. And I ended up uh, being invited to teach at a small private school here in town um, where I was at for four years um, in a K through eight general music position and K through three Spanish position. And then I really felt like I was... Uh, I wanted to t- take an opportunity to use my Spanish skills in, in the mission field. So I actually left and went and did missionary work in Latin okay. America off and on for the following year. Um, but then again, really felt like I was being called back to this place and actually back to that school. Um, and so I did back into my old position. And then halfway through the year, the upper level Spanish teacher had to quit and they needed someone to fill in for junior high Spanish. <laughs> So I uh, took that on and fortunately had a really good friend, a wonderful musician who could take over the general music side of my job. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did that role for a couple of years and until I said, you know, Spanish is not my passion, music really is, and I wanna get back to that. Um, So I went down to part-time at the school and started two more choirs at the school and then picked up private students. I had 21 students that first uh, year that I started back into private teaching. Uh, And then, yeah, I spent a few more years there, uh, took on the computer teacher job a few years ago. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All the while teaching choir. Uh, There was only one year in all of those years that I didn't teach choir. So, Uh, yeah. Were you doing choir Spanish and computer or just two at once? Um, During the pandemic, I was doing all three. For all three. I I, uh, I helped out with kindergarten Spanish um, because we needed that teacher to help in another area. And I said, I'll make a deal with you. You help us in this area and I'll help you by taking your kindergarten Spanish off well, your plate. You so I got to hang out with kindergartners and do Spanish <laughs> during the pandemic. Over Zoom. <laughs> Over Zoom, yes. Well, um, so when did you start making music? Were you taking piano lessons as a kid or what were you doing? Well, my, the way my mom tells it is we had a piano in the house because my sister had taken lessons for a little bit. And she said when I was little, I mean, like three or four years old, um, I would go over to the piano and play. And she said it did not sound like a three or four year old. You know, like most kids that age would just pound or, you know, yeah, around. And, and my mom said it sounded like music, like you were actually making a melody or something that sounded musical. So my mom, um, that's when she decided I need to get this girl into piano lessons um, because clearly there's something going on there. So I started taking piano lessons when I was five um, and and continued. I mean, that's what my major was in college. My major was piano. I did try to quit in fourth grade or I wanted to quit. (laughs) I had not communicated that to my parents yet. And then one night, um, a baby grand piano showed up at our house. And I I just was like, wait, what's happening? Why are they taking out the upright? I know what that shape is. Even though I couldn't see a piano, I knew what it was. And I had been thinking for a while. Uh, I was just in that kind of angsty, 
age where you're like, I don't want adults telling me what to do uh-huh. and literature is getting harder and I have to practice more. And so uh, I went to school the next day and I said, I told my teacher, I said, I want to quit piano, but my parents just spent $7,000 on a piano. <laughs> I'm going to quit. And she looked at me and she goes, you're right. You're just going to have to suck it up. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so glad that that all worked out. My mom refers to that as divine intervention all the time. Because who knows where my life would have gone if I had quit piano in fourth grade. Yeah. So your parents obviously were great advocates for music. Were they musical themselves? Um, my, my dad, no, my mom was in choir, uh, in high school and we had for a very long time, the same voice. So when we sang together, it just sounded like a chorus, um, of the same voice. And when I'd answer the phone, they'd say, Roxy, no, no, but I'll go get her. So yeah, my mom, um, loves singing and used to sing at her schools, um, like talent show and things like that. And so, yeah, that's very cool. So was it always your plan and goal to become a teacher or did you want to be something else when you grew up? (laughs) Um, uh, Well, I went through um, different, you know, aspirations. One of the ones that I was actually pretty serious about is I was also an athlete in school um, and I loved soccer. And when I was in sixth grade, my family went to the Olympics in Atlanta. Oh, wow. And so I got to see that was the year that women's soccer became an event. So I got to see the gold medal, the very first gold medal game for women's soccer in the Olympics. And I was like, I'm going to be an Olympic soccer player. And um, I grew up my whole life playing on predominantly male teams because we didn't have a girls league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually went to the private school where my mom taught for a couple of years and played varsity on a male team, predominantly male team. Um, and I actually wrote a letter to the coach at UNC of Chapel Hill, where a lot of the national players came from, um, never got a response, found out coaches actually aren't allowed to respond to those things until you're a certain grade Uh in high school. And I was not there. So, but I got injured. I had a, an injury and I, it kind of made me go, maybe my body is not in line with this dream. (laughs) Maybe this is not what God has in store for me. So uh, I, the music in terms of teaching really came about because I love music. And unfortunately in, in our world, teaching is the job that you can get with a music degree typically, right? The most Mm -hmm. common. Um, And uh, at the time I really loved vocal jazz. Um, I got into vocal jazz in junior high, got to go to Allstate and sing with the jazz choir. And I actually auditioned at Roosevelt University up in Chicago. And that's really what I wanted to do was go get a vocal jazz degree. (laughs) Um, But uh, I had already been offered basically a full ride at ISU for academics and some talent scholarships through the music department. And up at Roosevelt, I was like, in the running for the same academic scholarship, but their process was delayed compared to ISU's. And uh-huh. I would have had to like miss out on accepting the ISU offer before I knew whether I was gonna get it at Roosevelt. Right. And I'm a very practical, logical, frugal person and always have been. And I was like, I am 18 years old and I could get a college degree for free or I could potentially go $112,000 into debt. <laughs> I think I'll pick the free education. And and then if I still want to study vocal jazz later down the line, I'll do it as a master's degree, let them pay for it with a um, assistantship or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to ICU, I auditioned on all of my instruments um, and, and ended up focusing on piano. And then um, I actually jumped in and out of the ed degree program for a couple of years, like every semester. I'd be in and then I'd be like, ah, maybe not. And then I'd be in and ah, maybe not. Um, And the thing that was really like the clincher for me is uh, one of the times I had that I was in and I had a, um, like a clinical with a a class that we've been working with. There was this little girl and I cannot remember her name, but she was notorious in the school. Like she, she was just a challenge, hard to work with, got into trouble a lot never was on task in class conversations. If her hand went up, you knew she was about to say something that had nothing to do with what you're teaching. (laughs) And uh, 
one day I taught her class and she just did a phenomenal job of like staying on task and doing her best and all this. And so as the kids were leaving the classroom, uh, one by one, you know, I'm giving high fives or elbows or whatever. And, and I get to her and I looked her dead in the eyes and I said, I am so proud of you. You did such a great job today. And she literally just clutched her hands to her chest. And the look on her face was like, no one has ever told me that before. And it just like, it was the aha moment for me of like, as a teacher, you have the opportunity to really speak into someone's life who really needs to hear it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I left that and walked across the quad crying to chemistry class. <laughs> it was just so, you know, just so, so filled with, I don't know, joy, um, inspiration. I don't know, like just a lot of emotion. And so that's, that was the moment when I was like, okay, I'm sticking with the, the degree, the yeah. ed degree. I'm going to be a teacher. So. Awesome. Well, I mentioned also that you did compose for your ensembles as you were teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you start writing music? Uh, well, I would, in terms, in terms of creating music of my own, I would say from a very young age, um, when I would practice piano, um, when I got done with what I was supposed to practice, um, or even just I'd sit down and I would make something up. And my mom would always go, oh, what was what was that called? That I really like that one. And I go, I don't know. It doesn't have a name. I just made it up. And she'd go, Molly, you need to write this stuff down. You know? <laughs> and um, that is the part of composing that I've always struggled with is the process of getting it down on paper and things yeah. like that. So I'm thankful for all the technology advances that have happened in, we'll say, the last two decades because it's really helped me get my music down mm -hmm. into, uh, into a medium that I can actually share. So I would say the first um like composition where i intentionally wrote it out had an intention for it was in high school i submitted it for a contest some kind of like art contest oh very cool yeah yeah uh so let's talk to the uh let's talk about the da capo alfine project sure. so I, I talked about this a little bit in the bio but i want you to tell us more about this enterprise starting with the name what does <laughs> why did you choose da capo alfine and, and what does the project entail? Um, so the Cabo Afine, I actually um, chose the name because of what the project focuses on. So composing is something that I wanted to spend more time on. Um, and I wanted to bless schools and teachers and students with my compositions. Um, like I mentioned before, I did some mission work. My mind is, I'm very mission minded and very just, I don't, I'm very frugal. I live very frugally. So I, I don't really have any aspirations in my life to become rich and famous. You know, I just, I want to do put good into the world and do good. Um, and so that's the, the capo side of it. You know, with that musical term, it means to go back to the beginning. Um, and students, young people who are just starting out life and um, growing into the people that they're going to, they are and are going to be. Um, so that's the beginning. And then I also really have a heart for taking music into senior living communities. Um, when I was a young girl, our church did like a senior buddy program. And my brother and I got matched up with this woman named Kitty Olmstead. And we would just go visit with her and play games and watch movies and things like that. And we just fell in love with this woman. And she ended up becoming really a part of our family. Um, and then when she, later broke her hip and ended up in a nursing home. I was like a high school kid and had a driver's license and, you know, was playing piano all the time. So I, I just started going to visit her and would take my piano music. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really, I developed a heart for taking music into those spaces. And I 1000% believe music has the power to heal people. It has the power to relax them. It has the power to just kind of take them out of their hardship for a little bit. Um, and it's vital to, to to anyone, but especially people who are living in those situations where they may not get out, they may not have a lot of visitors, um, their surroundings aren't necessarily life-giving. So that's the alfine part, um, the ending. Um, so 
branding music to those who are beginning life and those who are nearing the end of life. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when you say taking music into senior living centers, are you taking, are, are you doing piano music still? Or are you taking choirs there or what, what does that look like? Um, so with the project, I personally am going regularly to perform. Okay. Um, sometimes I'll just take my piano bag of music that I've played for years and I'll just sit down and play for an hour. Um, I have been working on learning a bunch of different songs that are from the eras that folks that uh -huh. live there remember and appreciate. Um, so I, I have, I play guitar as well. So I'll put together a set list of songs um, that, that either I'll do a few with guitar and then a few with piano. Um, and it's usually about an hour set list and I'll just go and perform. So I'm doing that personally. I'm also trying to encourage teachers to take their students. I used to take my students all the time. Um, and one of the highlights of the school year for me and my students both was our spring nursing home tour. And we would, we would bounce around town to like five different locations um, and perform. And, and it was just always such an amazing experience for the kids to see that they can give something um, to see what it means to the people that they're performing for, um, and just to, to serve, you know, like it was just a unique opportunity to show the kids you, you have talents and you have something to give to people who really need what you have. So, um, I'm trying to encourage teachers to do the same with their students. And so far the ways I've done that, um, I've made some posts, you know, and, uh, choir uh facebook groups mm -hmm. the magazine that i put out for my project has like a couple articles in there um trying to encourage people to do that and then i also put together a field trip guide for teachers who maybe are like i have never done something like this i'm not super comfortable going into this kind of setting i don't even know what to expect um or maybe new teachers who are like i've never done a field trip I, I don't even know where to begin on this process. So, um, so yeah, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to encourage people. I have a goal of connecting with universities as well um, and partnering with, with the students there. Uh, here at ISU, when I was a student, we had to do recital credit mm -hmm. and we'd have to go to a certain number of recitals. And I really, I really want to engage with the universities and go, you know, let's do something like in, in, in lieu of recital credit or like part of recital credit is you can also go perform in a space like this hmm. and give of your musical talent. Um, Cause I think, I don't know. I, I just, a, I think it's so vital and B I think it just, it's going to generate in young people a greater heart of compassion, a greater heart of service, a greater sensitivity to like, Hey, there's other people in this world other than myself. Yeah. Um, and I think in our society, um, especially now, those who are, are older oftentimes get forgotten. And the, the arenas where generations used to mingle, I, I don't think is happening as much now. Um, and so, and you know, most kids, the, the only person they know that's over the age of 70 or 80 is their grandparents. Right. And that's the only people they interact with who are from another generation. Um, and so I would love to be a, a catalyst for trying to connect the young people to those in the older generations in a, in a meaningful way, too. That's cool. All right. I want to go back to the Doc Hoppo part of it, the, the compositions okay. uh, yeah. uh, for teachers and uh, students. So what level of, of music uh, is currently in, in the Doc Hoppo project and, and what are you expecting to see? Yeah. <laughs> so the first issue I put out had two two-part songs, um, a three-part mix song, and then oddly enough, a TTBB song. Uh -huh. um, I've never taught a TB choir other than student teaching, but um, really my my desire is to, in doing this project, let whatever inspiration I have happen. Mm -hmm. And be like, this idea popped in my head, I'm going to develop it instead of feeling like I'm you know, wedged into like, oh, well, you have to compose for this voicing or you have to compose for this topic or whatever. Um, just being like, 
this tune came to me today, this idea, and I'm just going to roll with it and put it out there. And if people can use it, great. If only a small portion of people could use it, that's fine too. Like, um, I do think because my teaching experience has all been middle school, junior high level, uh, I do have some insight there in terms of needs and things like that. And I will say uh, part of the reason why I composed for my groups uh, when I was a teacher uh, is because of the needs. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a, a group of boys who wanted to do a, a, a contest piece. They wanted to go to solo ensemble. And these four boys, it was like, we got two who are almost still in soprano land. We got one who's kind of alto land tenor. And then this other boy who's got five note range right in the middle of the keyboard. And I just, I was like, I could spend the rest of my life looking for a song that works for all of them. Or I could just write them something. Um, and so I composed a piece just for this group of boys that basically tailored to what notes I knew they could hit uh -huh. and match. And they went to contest with it and loved it. And one of the judges was like, you wrote this? You should get this published. So <laughs> that was really encouraging and affirming to me of, oh, cool. Someone else who's not me is recognizing this as a good thing. Sure. So. Um, so how do teachers access the music that you're making available? What do they need to do? Well, um, I do have a website uh, and it's mc-studios.org. That's like the main landing page. Mm -hmm. And then on that first page, there's an icon for the DeCoppola Affinity Project you can click on. And it just leads you through what's the project about. Here's a button to click on if you want to sign up. Um, I've basically been going out and trying to contact teachers on Facebook. Uh, and it's it's been actually, I think, pretty successful considering the project's so new. I actually have, I think as of today, 375 teachers signed up um, to receive the first issue and updates. I do monthly like newsletters of, hey, uh -huh. this is what I'm working on and things like that. So I just, I try to keep my eye out on Facebook um, yesterday I had literally like 25 people sign up. Um, wow. and it was because someone had posted, I, I joke, I'm like, I troll teachers, but in a good way, <laughs> I'll, I'll like look at posts. And if I see someone is saying like, oh, I'm looking for something that's fun and, um, wintry, it, but easy and quick to learn. And I'm like, oh, I got something for you, you know? Yeah. And so I'll throw it out. But someone yesterday just said something like, top three books that all choir directors should have. And I responded, I was like, well, it's not a book, but every teacher should sign up to get the DeCapo Alfine magazine. It, it contains three to four songs. It's put out biannually. It's free. You can reproduce it for your students. Um, here's where you sign up. So yeah, yesterday was kind of a big day because I hadn't had a big influx like that for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of people saw that post and were like, ooh, Ooh, yeah, I want I want to get in on that. So well, that's yeah. great. All right, I got one more question for you before we take a quick break, and this is non-music related. Okay. So we're moving into the holiday season as this episode goes live. So, what is your favorite holiday movie, and what does that say about you? My favorite holiday movie. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> so, White Christmas has always been my favorite movie, holiday movie. To the point where I, when I was a little girl, if I didn't feel good and it was like the middle of the summer, I'd be like, can we watch White Christmas? <laughs> there was, I loved I loved the music. I loved the dancing. My mom uh, exposed me to a lot of the movie musicals as a kid. Uh -huh. So but I that was that was my favorite holiday movie, if you will. Yeah, so. that's fabulous. That It's a great one. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll listen to some of Molly's compositions. Welcome back. This is Steve Danielson. I'm talking today with Molly Catherine Nixon. We're going to start first with Today is the Day. So this piece just premiered earlier this year, May 2023. Uh, you refer to this piece as an anthem for the beginning of the Da Capo Alfine project. So what do you want to communicate with this piece? Well, I, I will say this piece uh, was written on an airplane 
while I was flying down to Tennessee, where I am in the process of moving. Okay. And uh, I was in the process of going down to part-time at my school to start working on this project. And um, I was just sitting on the airplane going, oh, am I doing the right thing? Just kind of mildly freaking out. I'm making all these big changes, you know, and kind of getting to that, oh, maybe I should back off, right? Or back mm-hmm. out of this. And this little voice said, Molly, today is the day. If you don't do this now, you may never do it. Like I'm I'm looking at getting engaged and married soon, which kids could come along and, and life could just go crazy. And and if you don't take the opportunity now to do it, then then you might never. And you have a gift to give and you need to like put the time into that. So I was on the plane and that phrase today's day came to mind and a melody started going and I'm just on the plane typing lyrics into my phone (laughs) and teary eyed crying. And I'm sure people are like, what is wrong with that girl over there? And texted my boyfriend who was picking me up from the airport with his mom. And I was like, if I come out and I'm crying, don't worry. It's just because I'm just feeling very inspired right now. And I'm writing. (laughs) So that's what the whole song is about, about not backing off, going for a dream and understanding that, your there's a line that says your dream is a gift that can change the world mm-hmm. like and that's i think also a message that young people need to hear like maybe you have a skill or a talent or a desire that if you aren't afraid to go for it you could end up changing a lot of people's lives um or impacting them for good so uh that's what the song is all about um i i really enjoyed um, I am a pianist, right? So it's kind of got a tricky piano part. It's very rhythmic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and uh, but I, I really enjoyed working on that. Um, so and I love having getting my students to per- perform it for the first time. Yeah, you know. tell me about the performance that we're about to hear. Um, so that was our spring concert, and it was this was literally the last song of my teaching career at my school in Illinois. Um, and the kids loved it. You know, I, when I first started writing it, I came back to Illinois, um, and, and told them like, I'm writing you a song for the spring concert, but I'm not all done. Do you guys want to hear how it goes though? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting at the piano playing it and looking out at all of them while I'm singing. And I just see these looks on their faces. Like, this is so amazing. And (laughs) my teacher wrote this and I can't wait to learn this. Like that's what their faces said. Um, And it was great. And they, they all were like, this sounds like it's from a musical or something. And I was like, yeah, it kind of does. It's got that vibe of just, we're telling a story and we're on an adventure and kind of things. Okay. Well, we are going to listen to today is the day performed by the Epiphany Catholic school choir with Molly Nixon conducting.
right, our second piece today, it's a winter wonderland for two-part choir and piano. This is a fun, peppy winter song with some light choral scat. So tell us about writing this piece and the choir you wrote it for. <laughs> um, well, uh, I wrote this for my third and fourth grade choir um, for their winter concert last year. And it was born out of necessity. Uh, I uh, Picking repertoire was not my strength as a choir director. I really struggled with that a little bit. And I had picked a couple songs for them. They were doing fabulous with them, but I realized, oh, wow, I've maybe bit off a little more than we can do. <laughs> and uh, we only have three rehearsals left before their concert, and they only have two songs. And I really want them to have three. <laughs> so uh, I think I'll just write them a song um, and make it fun and entertaining, but not super difficult to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, and the kids, uh, I had written this other jazzy tune years ago um, that I had used with all my choirs just to introduce the idea of scatting and they all loved it. And they'd always ask, can we do some scatting today? And things like that. So uh, they were like, can you write us a, a scatting song, a jazz song? I'm like, sure. So, um, Again, the melody, the words just kind of came to me um, and, and I developed it and I went, okay, cool. Yeah. And then we can do some call and response. And I didn't even notate it. Like, like I just gave them all lyric sheets and was like, here's part one's part. Here's part two part. When they sing together, they're in the middle. <laughs> and it was just lyrics typed up and I taught it by rote. Um, and this one little girl, Charlotte, after I taught it to them, she just is all, you know, beaming goes, this is my new favorite song. <laughs> um, so they the kids loved it. And we did, we did a unison ver version that is in the magazine. The first issue of the Decapo Fine magazine is actually a two part version. Um, but with my third and fourth graders, it was like a last minute learn. Um, so I just had them do two parts where there was call and response and then one unison when mm -hmm. they came together. Um, and it was great and they loved it. And, uh, my boyfriend kept joking. He's like, this is going to be a hit. Everyone's going to be singing this song. I could hear this on the radio someday. And I'm like, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about, but it, it appears that it has been the most popular song in the magazine so far. Oh, great. I have had several people comment on Facebook, like, oh my gosh, my kids love this. Oh, we're totally doing that. Um, I actually got an email yesterday from a teacher just saying, thank you for what you're doing. Um, I picked up that song on a whim and my kids are loving it and we're adding scat solos in the middle. And so just thank you. Um, awesome. So yeah, so yeah. Okay, well, we are now going to listen to It's a Winter Wonderland.
All right, our third piece today, we light a candle. So you state that this charming piece was written for Advent season, but could easily be used any time during the year. So what do you think gives this piece a, a universal appeal and application? Um, so in terms of the lyrics, um, while it is, you know, identifying the typical four candles um, that are used during Advent season, the language is that's used is not ex exclusionary. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. It's not exclusive. It, there's no like religious words particularly yeah. used. Um, and I think we, we can all agree that in general, the idea of light um, overcoming darkness is just the idea of goodness overcoming evil, right? Yeah. Regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are, if you have any, um, we I think we can all identify with that theme of we can bring goodness into the world, and and that is a way of shining light um, in a in a dark situation or dark places. So um, I really I just think yeah, it'd be perfect for Advent because of the four characteristics. But it can also be used in the springtime. Uh, um, it can be used in a time maybe when something's not going well. I mean, with what's going on over in the Middle East right now, um, the idea of lighting a candle of hope and uh, love and peace and joy, like we're gonna we're gonna light this candle. We're gonna burn brightly, and um, we're gonna we're gonna put into the world what we hope to see in the world. So, um, and it has a line in it, the darkness has not overcome the light. Like that's this encouragement of it's not over yet. Yeah. You know, things aren't over, whatever bad thing or um, difficult thing is going on. It, it doesn't get to have the final word. So, um, yeah. So I feel like it could be used in any setting um, for that reason, for the thematic reason. And then the, the language that was chosen was intentional so that um, a school, I know a lot of teachers face that, like they they work in a district where it's very clear or strict that no religious, any kind of repertoire can be chosen. Yeah. So this is something I think they could use um, in that situation. Yeah. Did you write this for a specific ensemble? I did not. Um, this was one of those, a lot of my ideas happen while I'm driving. I'll just be driving around and my mind will be kind of, I don't know, my brain never really shuts off except for when I'm asleep. Um, and I wanted to write another piece that would be suitable for winter mm -hmm. um, for the first issue. And so the idea of candles and things like that came to mind and the initial tune or idea came up and then I didn't really think about it for a few weeks. And I was kind of like, oh, I, I want another song for the issue. Maybe I'll revisit that idea. And then when I revisited it, it just kind of came together really quickly. So. Tonight we All right. Well, we are now going to listen to We Light the Candle. Of hope. A candle of hope. Tonight we light a candle, a candle of hope for you. Tonight we light a candle, a candle of peace, a candle of peace. Tonight we light a candle, a candle of peace for you. Oh, let the light shine through the darkness, and let the world know love is near. Casting a shadow. Oh, 
song today, Morning Flight. So this one is a bit more harmonically complex than some of the other pieces we've listened to today. Uh, this is your first piece for SATB for the Da Capo Alfine project. And you said it was inspired by a recent trip to New Mexico. So tell me about the experience and what inspired the piece. <laughs> well, my, my family always went to a hot air balloon festival in my hometown every summer. That was a tradition for us. And somewhere along the line, my mom learned about the uh, balloon fiesta in Albuquerque, New, Me New Mexico. And it's massive. I mean, hundreds of hot air balloons come to this and it's a it's a big deal. And so for the longest time she'd been saying, I wanna go to this, we wanna go to this, let's go to this. Um, and, and we had planned on going to that festival in 2020, uh, 2020. yeah. Uh, um, change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was originally, an, uh, the intention was to do it as like a anniversary trip for my parents. Um, okay. And unfortunately, my dad passed away that December before. Oh, sorry. And then COVID unfolded. <laughs> and so it got put on the back burner. And this year, my mom basically said, I'm going. I don't care who goes with me. I'm going. <laughs> um, and so I told her, I was like, well, mom, you know, if I'm working on my projects, I'll have the flexibility. I'll go with you. Um, and then we were able to get my brother's family to go too. So um, one of the launches is the, I mean, they launch in the morning, right? Um, and so you get up really early and it's basically still dark and nighttime. You can see the stars and you can see the moon and all that. And, um, and then there's just this field full of balloons and the um, pilots for them and their crew are all like running around, you know, getting everything set up. And um, and so I just when we went to it this uh, this last month, I thought I should write a song about this. I, this should be uh, one of the ins inspirations for one of the songs. And so the the starting light, uh, the starting line in the darkness, all is still, the star shining in the night. That first line really kind of kicked it off for me. And I was like, okay, not quite sure where I'm going to go next, but I think I'm just going to try to paint a picture of what this experience is like. Um, and so it was really, I really loved how it all came together. Um, that one didn't happen so quickly. There was, I had to several days go, okay, I'm not sure what the next part is, or I don't know what I should do with the, you know, this vocal line or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. Well, we are going but, yeah. to take a listen here to morning flight. In the darkness, all is Start shining in the night, and the moon is smiling as it waits for the Yeah. 
Well, Molly, besides Da Capo Alfine, what are you working on now that you can tell us about? Mm, um, I am working on, do you mean like compositions? Whatever you'd like to plug right now. Or life. life <laughs> or in life in general. In general. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like I mentioned before, I'm uh, hoping to get engaged and married soon. Um, and got some house projects that go along with that. Um I teach piano lessons and um, I am, oh, I'm playing uh, for the IMEA District 3 Festival on Saturday for piano. Uh, I'm hoping to get my name out there in the Murfreesboro, Tennessee area for uh -huh. accompanying. I really love doing that and it's it's a wonderful side hustle for me, sure. especially with doing the Decapo Vina project. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I try to do quite a bit of that. I am working on another song for the next issue that is on the Kiwi bird from New Zealand. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's very cool. I know a pretty random topic, but, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it was more, the musical idea came first and then I was kind of like, is this just going to be a song with nonsense syllables or do I want to have um like a theme that it's about so i i looked up bird call um to see if anything kind of went with what i was imagining <laughs> i was like oh the kiwi bird and oh kiwi birds are going extinct and they're this unique species of bird that only live in new zealand and so i was like okay yeah we're just gonna do a kiwi bird song and um I think it's a song that kids are going to really like. It's very rhythmic and uh, it's got some body percussion, optional body percussion. And um, it uh, highlights the tenor part. And so um, I, I think I've, I've seen on Facebook a lot of teachers going, I want some songs that, you know, give my boys a chance to shine. Yeah. So this is going to be one of those where the girls are doing fun little like bird like things up at the top and the boys are, you know, carrying the melody and the and the lyrical part of it so yeah sure. so i'm excited to see how that comes out and if it's a you know similar to it's a winter wonderland or if people are like "Ooh, i needed another piece for the spring concert and this is the one i'm, I'm so yeah 
All right. Well, I know you plugged your uh, website earlier. Could you give us that website again where people can find out more about you and your music and Da Capo, everything else? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, mc-studios.org. And that's the landing page. Um, and then if you wanted to go straight to Da Capo, you just add slash da-capo. That's the extension. So yeah, mc-studios.org. Okay. And I'll put that link down in the show notes as well. Well, hey, listeners, today I'm going to invite you to join other listeners like you to become a supporting member of Movable Dough. For less than $1 a month, that's less than 25 cents an episode, you can keep... Uh, you can help me keep the music moving. Visit sdcompose.com slash movabledough to find out how to become a supporting member today. There's also information about giving just a one-time donation if that's more your speed. Visit sdcompose.com slash movabledough to help support this podcast. Well, Molly, it has been great to get to know you today. Thank you for joining me on Movable Dough. Thank you so much for having me. I, was, I had a blast. <laughs> Excellent. My guest today was composer Molly Catherine Nixon. If you have a recommendation for a future guest or an idea for the show, please email me at movabledoe at gmail.com. This is Steve Danielson. Keep the music moving. Sorry.